Pod. Pod. Havlicek stole the pod, and Nesson stole Chris Graham. Chris, hello. <laughs> hey, Bobby, how are you? So we're recording here probably our 10th episode or so, and unfortunately we're losing Chris. Chris got hired by Nesson. We're happy for him, but this will be his last show here on Havlicek stole the pod. This is it. This is it, Bobby. I've enjoyed our ten hour short ten episodes tint together, but I'm I'm confident you'll you'll be able to carry the torch. Yeah, so here. here here's the deal. We're gonna be recording our last show here talking some Isaiah and uh looking forward to the playoffs, see what Chris thinks this team's capable of at this point with just a few games left. And then our own Alex Kungu's gonna be jumping in. There's the big announcement, I'm getting it right out of the way. He's going to be joining the show, and we're going forward from here, me and him. But first, Chris, let's take a look back a little bit. Remember, when did you start at Celtics Blog? Well, I started at Celtics Blog, well, it was after my, after I graduated, so about a, close to two years ago, a year and a half ago, maybe, and I was uh, then I jumped on with CLNS, and then I kind of started jumping on the beat and I'd go to practices and then it turned into games and then it turned into, you know, sorry if you guys hear cars in the background, I'm in my car on the way to work right now. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I, uh, you know, combined with talking to Jeff and talking to Nick, they got me onto the beat. So they really gave me my true start on a beat. So I can't thank them. And I mean, Celtics blog is awesome. I'll continue to be a really loyal reader and stuff. And, uh, you know, I will miss, I will miss the team over there. When it comes to my start Celtics blog, it's it goes right back to those Isaiah days, and you came in a little bit after those when the Kyrie Irving days were starting in the aftermath of the trade there. But yeah. for you know, people who started covering the team around that time, and I really started getting invested in the time before him, that Isaiah era just means so much to so many people I know. So last night seeing him back in TD Garden was just everything, and he tweeted out last night, you know, that was so special. And it really was watching the tribute, looking back on those days, because people have done it, and we've talked about it on this show, Chris, juxtaposing the hustle intensity of those teams, the must-watch TV they were every single night with, how much of a slog this team can be, even in the loss last night. So looking back on Isaiah, what did that era personally mean to you? Well, it was weird, because I was looking, well, I was actually kind of tortured by it, because as you know, I'm a Wizards fan, and so I was... He, he was a Wizards killer, uh, and I kind of came at it from an interesting perspective because uh, at the time, it actually, from a weird perspective, bothered me uh, how Celtics fans took to him. I didn't really realize at the time how you know strong his bond was with the city of Boston, and obviously just watching last night alone can tell you that. I found out much more about it and, and you know, changed my opinions on him once I started being around the team and stuff, even though he wasn't there, you would still hear about him. Uh, but I was more so uh, annoyed at the fact because I didn't think that they could win anything with him as the number one guy. So that I took it more from a basketball standpoint. But the bond that he really created with the city of Boston, solely off of the way he was as a person, the way he was as a player, as he kind of just gave it his all no matter what, which you don't always see in the NBA these days, I think is really – what tied him to the city of Boston and a lot of Celtics fans. It was really special. I mean, last night you could tell he was significantly moved. His teammates on the Nuggets were pretty moved by it. No one really did anything during that timeout except watch the video 
and watch him. I mean, you saw Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier point up yeah. at the scoreboard, point over to him, and Brad Stevens clap. It takes a lot for Brad Stevens to skip a timeout, but he basically did. And uh, it was really, really special. And you could tell just by his interview comments pregame and postgame that he would really like to come back. <laughs> he, he would come back in a second. And granted, he's not the same player he was. He's battled a lot of those hip injuries, and he just hasn't it's really a shame that he hasn't been able to come full circle and continue the essentially dominance that he had when he was in Boston, but he would definitely love to come back at the, at the drop of a hat. That was really, really clear to me last night. And his best days were against the wizards. You're right. I remember yeah, the 50 point game. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I yep. was, I was at that 53 point game and, Wow, that was, that was just a memory of the decade with this team. And th- th- those teams really did provide some of the great memories of the decade. The Warriors win at Golden State in the height of the Golden State era there. Uh, they yep. run to the East Finals twice. Uh, getting Al Horford in here, the Kevin Durant pitch. I mean, that era just really spawned weird Celtics Twitter. I think ushered in a whole new era of Celtics fans. I mean, I, I like the big three days, but... I really got invested in the team you know, in that tank year when you could buy the $13 ticket. So I started going to games back then. You see Isaiah arrive in the midst of that year and a half when they really had nothing going for them. And then it just completely flipped upside down when he got here. The game he got ejected in, I think his very first game with the Celtics, he got ejected. Then he came back and they raced through a West Coast trip as they have for stretches here under Stevens now. And every single night, you're right, Everybody knew he was coming. He'd still get 30, 40 points that 16, 17 season where he almost averaged 30. Just going to go down not only as one of the most interesting stories in Celtics history, but Boston sports history, a 5'9 guy completely changing the culture of the Celtics. You look at this team now, most of it's here because of what he did. You know, him and Bradley getting going sparked the Avery Bradley trade that got Morris here. Uh, the Irving trade is obviously a big part directly because of Thomas and the value he had back then. And the Brooklyn pick helped too, of course. Yeah, you're right. He did, he did kind of kickstart a lot of this. And but two it, free it, agents, really. Yeah, yeah, seriously. And it, it more improbable than anything else. I mean, you think about what sparked the last Celtics run of big wave of Celtics fans. It was KG. Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, and then just from the completely opposite side, you bring in a 5'9 guard who's kind of been doubted for a while during his career, and he turns it around. So really both sides of the spectrum there, pretty pretty awesome stuff. Yeah, and I'll never forget when they got him in the flurry of moves at the trade deadline in 2016, I believe. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, so... That was an unreal day, and I don't think anybody, even as great as he was with Phoenix, knew, and Danny Ainge probably didn't know either what that would become, so that was special. If he was to come back at this point, as some of us are dreaming up, I know Bill Sy's dreaming big time, my friend Taylor over at the postgame show was imagining it last night, do you see it possibly happening this year? Because he, he seems out of the rotation in Denver, and then I'll follow that up with... Would you even want him with the way he's been playing since that hip surgery? I mean, it would be a nice story, but hell no. You don't want him. He's been terrible. Uh, I don't think you you want him at all. I mean, it, it would be great to have him back just as, like, someone in the locker room and someone to be around the team, but he's really been bad. I mean, do you, Are you saying if get him back this year, like, be a buyout if yeah, the Nuggets were to buy him out? Yeah, I mean – he might be a nice guy to throw into the locker room, but no, I, I don't. I don't think so. I just don't think there's a there's a move there. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people 
looking at the offseason would say, yeah, get rid of Rozier and bring him in. But they're also picturing, like like you said, the old IT. Uh, he's really struggled since these hip issues uh, have persisted. He, you saw it last night. I mean, Malone, great move by Mike Malone to get him some minutes early on there last night uh, after removing him from the rotation last week. But I just don't. I just don't see that being a positive move. I don't see him bringing a positive net impact to the team unless it is off the court, which maybe it is. But you also have to think about the fact that if you're thinking seriously about using him for that, for that final roster spot, I mean, that's someone who you're looking to bring in on a two-year deal to then use as salary match for a potential Anthony Davis acquisition. Great point. And you can't, and, and you can't really – he's not an appealing piece of – an Anthony Davis deal if you're uh, if you're the Pelicans and if you're the Celtics trying to make that salary work. So I don't really think it works in that regard either. There's the cap case against that from just an emotional perspective. I don't want to see him come back here in a Celtics uniform and look the way he has since he right. left Boston. And it, it's it's so sad what could have been. Last night he was talking about if he stayed in Boston, <laughs> they would have already won a championship by now. Yeah, and the shoes he was wearing during the shoe, the green shoes he was wearing, he was had planned on wearing those in the finals, and they never made it, uh, obviously. So he wore them last night, which I thought was kind of wild, too. Yeah, and those were cool-looking shoes. Just another slog of a night for the Celtics, though. They had leads in the game. They were in position to pull it out late. They were in that little stage where if they swung it one way, they would have been within a possession. If it swung the other way, they would have been down 10, and they ended up down 10. Smart gave them that little push at the end, uh, big three afterward, his steal and dunk. And Smart, again, really the only guy getting into the nitty-gritty of this game. And against a Denver team, you had to disrupt the game, take it away from a skill perspective. And the Celtics just weren't able to do that. Brown had horrible stretches. And yeah. it was just frustrating because the team leaned on its skill again and it wasn't enough. They were pretty sloppy last night, more so than have been. Uh, it's just the, the classic storyline that we've been talking about, I feel like, multiple times a month where they're sloppy or they don't really execute early on, and then they have to go into that desperation mode down the stretch, and it's ultimately too late, where they're at that one-possession, two-possession seesaw, and a missed three can swing it either way, or a made three can swing it either way, and they just can't do it. It's, it's ultimately too late, so... It's that sloppy, sloppy and, and non-executing performance going forward, and then you hit the fourth quarter and they're, and they're reeling and they're trying to climb back in it. And that just hasn't really been a successful formula yet this year, and it was again the case last night. Obviously, that's not going to work against a team like Denver, who Jokic was just too much, and I mean, they're, they're a really good team. And he was incredible last night. So the Celtics are moving on to the 76ers on Wednesday night. Me and Alex will talk about that one. Chris is going to keep you up to date from Nesson, and we'll still That's chat right. with him maybe every once in a while here, bring him back in as a guest or something. But for now, Chris, Definitely. I appreciate you getting the show started with me. It's always a blast working with you, one of the best young professionals right with me here in the industry. Right back, so I think, you, I think we're a match made in heaven, and hopefully I'll talk to you soon here. Definitely, man. I, I'll be listening. Keep Keep it up. All right, that's Chris Grenham. That's Havlicek Stole the Pod, and we will talk to you Wednesday night. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, all the rest, and we'll see you right back here. We should call this show The Pace and Space. What do you think of that? The Pace and Space. I like that, actually. That's pretty good. Celtics don't run at a, at a crazy 
pace and they do space the floor better than most teams. So that's fitting for the Celtics. I think Havlicek stole the pod is probably the best one. And that's why we chose it. I pretty much like the Polar Express with no Christmas and no heat. It, it was the Polar Express with zero fun and coming off of three straight losses. <laughs> so I think we should just ignore the Warriors game. Let's talk about Brooklyn. <laughs> I'm so, just, I, of course, I'm just kidding. Let's talk. Who makes about it further in the playoffs this year? The Nets or the Celtics? It's a worthy conversation. The dark horse in this whole Anthony Davis deal is because the Celtics can rely back on RJ Hunter. Good prospects. This is a how many years class. until LeBron James Jr. <laughs> that'd be yeah, that's down the road, but don't worry, I'll, we'll hit that class later on. 